since this is going to be the chapter from 1988 to 1994, the first two people I met and hung with was Timmy Chunks from Token Entry and my friend John Turner, a.k.a. Devil. Uh, bus driver from Queens, alleyway crew with the most sick of it all, Dragons, OG, amazing human. Same with Timmy Chunks. Uh, what's funny about this is my friend Joe, who does the podcast with me, Joe Vasion, he told me after listening to their both their interviews, he went to the same school that Timmy Chunks went to, a Catholic school in Queens, and he also took the bus that the devil drove. So it's pretty awesome. It's a really small world. Queens is such a tight unit of people, and there's so many people I know from Queens. I feel like calling this chapter Queens, but... This would be, I guess, episode one of NYHC Family Tree. This is about uh, the first chapter, which is the story of Queens. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. This is it. I hope you guys enjoy this. I'm going to have plenty of these phone calls coming up. Interviewed 20 people for the NYHC um, season. So get ready for it. This is Timmy Chunks and um, Devil. Say something, say something, Chunks. Hey, check one, two. Sick. Microphone check. <laughs> one, two, what is this? Yeah. All right, so on the phone right now, I have uh, my man, Timmy Chunks. Um, in order for this episode to even start is, is the chapter of me leaving Southern Maryland to move to New York City in 1988. Um, I'm pretty sure that I met you in the summer of 87 at the Marble Bar when Token Entry played with Henry Rollins or the Rollins Band. I'm not too sure. Is that correct? Do you know? That is correct. Um, yeah, the Marble Bar uh, with Rollins Band, and you were one of 10 people at the show. No way. Yeah, there was nobody there. It was empty. What? That makes no yeah. sense to me, thinking how, how important... How important, obviously, Rollins was to punk rock, and obviously how important you you guys were to me and all of our friends. That's cra- I didn't even know that that many people were there. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it it was there was there was nobody there. The place was empty, and I I couldn't. I was I was under the same impression. I was like, why is there nobody here? I couldn't believe it. I was I was blown away. And then when Rollins took the stage, when Rollins band went on stage, it was like, oh my god, I can't believe everybody is missing. That's crazy. So that was 87. So I was already a fan of Token Entry. We haven't met yet because obviously I'm looking at some pictures I have of us, like me taking pictures with all you guys outside. Super fanboy. Love Token Entry. I'm not sure how I even got into that. It found, found that record, but I definitely found it. Um, probably at Smash Records or something in D.C. But then we became friends from there. We became like, there was no phones back then, so it was like straight up just pen palling, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that, that's... uh. That's all it was, pen palling and and actually making actual phone calls. Yeah, you know there was, there was no, <laughs> you know there was no texting or anything. When when you wanted somebody to get in touch with you, you had to give them your home phone number. That's true. And you you know you'd come home at the end of the day or whatever, and and you'd be stoked to have messages on your answering machine. That's true. That's so crazy. It was, it was like it was like opening a present every day. Like who called? <laughs> who called? That is crazy. I don't even think about shit like that. Yeah, it was all answer machines back then. So um, I feel like so I, I became fascinated not just with token entry, but the whole New York scene. And like I was 17, I was living in Maryland. I knew when I turned 18, I could finally leave Maryland. I was there for four years, made the best of it, made some great friends. Um, but really wanted to go to the city and go to New York and be part of the scene. 
And so you ended up pretty much saying that I could actually move in and I could move in with you and your brother in, uh, in Flushing, Queens. Yeah. Yeah, we had a, uh, I, was, I was living with my brother at the time. Um, we had, uh, I think this was in 87. Um, I forget what had happened. But I, I ended up living, my brother and I ended up getting an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment together yeah. in, uh, in Flushing. And, uh, and I was talking to you. We were talking a bunch at the time. And you were saying that, you know, you're like, oh, I want to get out of here. And I was like, well, come stay with me. Yes. Yes. So Our, it was just, you know, just like, a you know, it was, it seemed seems to me that things were different then, obviously. For you sure. Know, just, um, and just, move, just move your whole life. Come to New York, live with me, no big deal. And I was like 17. I really know what I was going to do. I remember going. I remember actually getting dropped off at a token entry show at CBGB's. My friend Dave Weiskopf drove me. I left my I left my first love, Shelly Shackley, and I got dropped off at the show with everything I owned. And it was like, it was scary to me because I had I maybe been to New York once when I was young with my uncle, but not to like a, a show. I've only seen these shows and pictures in magazines or just seen shows in D.C., but New York was its whole different element. And then getting dropped off there at, at one of your shows, I was like, holy shit, I'm not going back to where I just came from. I'm actually going to be, after this guy gets off stage, I'm moving to Queens. <laughs> it sounds so yeah, crazy I think, now, uh, thinking about it. but I, I think I think Devil actually gave us a ride back to my place. Yeah, the boost. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Holy yeah. shit. Um. Yeah. So that was pretty crazy too. Yeah, you know, back then, like, well, growing up in New York, uh, you didn't need a car. Yeah. You know, so it was like, like I didn't get my driver's license until I was twenty-five years old, and That's the only crazy. reason I got a driver's license is because I bought a car off of Ernie for two hundred dollars, and I was like, I have a car, I should probably get a driver's license now. But holy shit! You know. Growing up in New York, you never needed a car. You don't need a car yeah. unless you're moving a bunch. Unless you're moving everything you own and you have that you brought from Maryland, and you need to get it back to Queens <laughs> from Manhattan. <laughs> so true, it's so true. Um, yeah, you, you pretty, I, I know people. Shit, I didn't get my license until I was. Till I moved to California in 2000. I didn't get it until 2003 because I didn't have it the whole time living on the East Coast. I finally get it because my wife gave me an ultimatum and said, "If you don't get your license, you're not gonna." see the birth of your child you need to drive me to the hospital that night so <laughs> I, 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 so i got my license i failed the test a couple of times but i finally got my license but we have new york, we still have new york friends now that i know that shall we name nameless who still don't have the license i think it's fucking pretty pretty amazing though um oh it's, it is amazing my mom my mom never had a driver's license ever she never wow. drove a car holy shit you don't even think about stuff like that because it's it's like mandatory anywhere else pretty much you know what i mean like you have to get that to survive and get around and stuff but like and it's all almost makes you not really have to be that res that 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 responsible because you don't have to pay yeah. car insurance or where yeah. you're parking a car and driving and it's like pretty crazy um so i i remember i don't know what my expectations were moving in with you i was a fucking i was moving from living in my girlfriend's attic actually in maryland and um i remember getting and i remember like I walked in, your brother was like eating pizza or something, maybe maybe some like weed or something. And I was like, holy shit, this is like real life shit. Like, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. And then I had my room. Um, 
that that was just super that's just crazy that that happened based off of becoming a fan of your band and then becoming pen pals and yeah sure come out here like for you it was like yeah whatever come stay out for me it was like i'm actually moving away from my family and i'm gonna fucking go all the way to new york not know what i'm gonna do to me it was the biggest deal she was like yeah whatever come stay with me it's pretty awesome um and i remember like well, i mean go that, ahead. that that you know that that whole statement you just made what's at the core of that whole statement is a friendship. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that people don't make friends the same way or anything, but with so much communication now being instant and, you know, whether it's, you know, texting or, you know, uh, the friendship, I, th- I think it's harder to build a friendship like that now. 100%. Like our children will never know anything else but social media and having the phones 24-7. We didn't have that. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, exactly. It's such a different fucking world, man. And like, I'm so happy that we got to have, we got to live in that time of our lives where we didn't have that. We, we stayed creative. We stayed outside. We skated. We did things. It wasn't just glued to our phones or the television, even that. Um, but yeah, like that's, that, that's like, that's some real shit right there. You're right. Real friendship and like, trust and all that stuff um so yeah that that was pretty amazing it went, it started going to shows with you guys i remember i don't think i don't think it was the show that got dropped off but i remember you guys were playing and i jumped off uh, up on the stage and i smacked my head on the corner of this speaker at cbs and my head started bleeding really bad i was freaking the fuck out i don't know if i was trying to get your attention or not but like it was it was i remember it was during your set there and it fucking scared me man um but there was some great that, 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 go ahead that, that speaker over on stage right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Everybody smacked their head on that at one point or another. <laughs> Super deadly. <laughs> um, and then like skating and shit. I remember you took me to some ramps in Queens because we were both skaters and shit. That was amazing. Because I come from the, we had a bunch of ramps in Maryland and stuff. And I love that. I love that you were a skater too, you know what I mean? In New York because it wasn't such a yeah, you guys the had, punk scene. You guys had Cedar Crest, didn't you? Yeah, that was Virginia, yeah. Fucking huge, scary-ass metal ramp. So oh, scary. my God. I, I skated that thing once, and it was at night, and it was, like, covered in dew. I ate shit. <laughs> Damn. Oh, I was so excited to be there and the skaters. You know, I was like, oh, my God, Cedar Crest, this, this place is famous. And I just <laughs> fucking ate it so bad. Were you, were you, like, a ramp skater back then or a street skater? I mean, street was, really wasn't, like, a thing back then, though. The street was just kind of starting, coming into its own. Yeah, you know, back in the mid '80s, there really wasn't a lot of street stuff. Um, yeah, you know, nobody was doing stairs. No, nobody was doing handrails. No, you know, hell, nobody was even doing kickflips back then. They weren't. You know? Only person doing something like that was like a freestyle, like Rodney Mullen or like Pearl Willander or something. They were doing the street stuff, like their yeah, exactly. Clips. Like the, the big, the big uh, street. Uh, trick back then was well, first of all if you could ollie that was insane that was incredible yeah but then like things like uh bonuses and and bean plants and ice plants like that was like the big trick lap overs all that shit yeah, yeah. slappies on the curb yeah like. so for you got for you what got you into skateboarding living in living in new york like because it didn't seem like it's always been people think about california stuff, but what what turned you on to that um Jeez, uh, remember having like a GT Scamp? Oh yeah, a green, 
a, a green GT scamp. I don't, I'm not even sure how old I was. Um, but you know, that must've been like late seventies, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know exact, you know, it was probably in that peak when like skateboarding was on uh wide world of sports. Yeah. I remember like that. They would, they would, they would show some skateboarding competition downhill and stuff, maybe carving and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 that's probably what like piqued my interest in it, but you know, um, and then growing up, get into high school, make new friends. And, uh, and some of my friends skated. So, you know, yeah. me, Jay bird, Joe stick, yeah. um, you know, there was, there was a crew of us, uh, Jordan, Deshev, Vinny um, Lou. Vinny Alou was a little bit later on, okay. but yeah, Vinny Alou, yeah. and then like all the in-your-face guys, you yeah, know, Mark yeah. and Joe. Long Island. Yeah, the Strong Island crew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure like the Bones Brigade videos too, those were so crucial back then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, the, the first Bones Brigade video, um, I remember watching it at Jaybird's house. We were watching it, <clears throat> and... The scene where uh, McGill drops in and it's to um, Youth Brigade. Yeah. Do you want to die? Yeah. It, was, it was like, oh my God, it was so intense. So impactful, you know? too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like for, for the, uh, at the risk of using the term, it was life changing. Yeah. I agree, man. Like, it's, it's like you're already into like, the, you're already into like this music this like different types of music like you're into punk rock and some shit that's not what everybody else is listening to and then you get into skateboarding too whether vice versa how you get into it first or not but then there's that soundtrack to it that's like it goes with the aggression and the, and the energy of the skateboarding and it's like it's just a perfect combo and it's like that's what I, that's that's how i want to live my life or that's what i want to do you know what i mean like and it wasn't like you wanted to do it because you want to make money or do it because you even thought you could be a pro you did it because you loved it and it was just so fun trying tricks and fuck man it's just it, this the skateboard it just changed everything I, I feel like and for for you guys for me I thought it was so amazing that for being a New York hardcore band there wasn't bands like Asian even bringing skateboarding into lyrics or even like you would rock knee pads on stage and shit you know what I mean like or bringing that that vibe into into hardcore right you know what I mean was that was that like a did, did that was that hard not hard for you guys did people kind of react to that differently because of that um, no, I don't think so. I think if anything, um, it, 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 it brought us, uh, closer yeah. to, to people, you know, it, it made us more accessible. Like, Oh my God, Hey, these guys skate, they, you know, I skate. Oh, these guys skate. Oh, this is so cool. I, I totally get what they're singing about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but so for- it's sort of, Go ahead. It, it, you know, it like when we, when I joined the band, they weren't necessarily a skate band. Yeah. But I was a heavy skater. Mm-hmm. So I brought that sort of, that, that influence in and I that energy, that. Yeah. you know, and that, uh, that attitude of, you know, go big or go home. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But I thought it was awesome because nobody was really doing that. Everything in New York had a different kind of edge and like kind of, um, stigma about it It was like different more like harder in the streets and you know what i mean how the new york vibe was and then you guys had a hard yeah. had a hard edge too but then also lyrically and melodies and the guitars and the skate edge too it was so um 
so n- I'm not saying original, but so different and stuck out. I think for New York, you know what I mean? Because it wasn't like stuff like that. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we yeah, we, it was it was weird because we never like, although we played with all of the youth crew bands and all of the you know we played with every band on the scene. Yeah. Um, but we it it's like weird because we were never really part of any of the cliques. Gotcha. You know, like yeah. we would have, there'd be, you know, we'd play and there'd be tons of straight edge kids there. There'd be tons of youth crew kids. There'd be tons of skaters. And it would, you know, um, but we not like, like we're not on any of the, any of the New York hardcore comps. Like we're not on any of them. That's true. And it was just because wow. I think, I think because um, we were just like, you're saying we were, we were sort of a, a different, you know, not, saying better or worse or anything like that but yeah. i just think i think it was just a little bit different and people didn't understand it maybe 100 percent. I, th- I i mean i feel like like you said you had such a diverse group of people because there were kids who skated who liked punk or they were straight edge punk rock skaters or whatever they were they they connected to it because it wasn't what everybody else was singing about or even looking like even you you rocked always rocked like your own style too super long shorts the, ble- <laughs> the bleached hair this crazy colors and like I love that. Like everybody had, the, there's a token entry necklace that everybody had that was fucking classic and like a a staple of like everybody who's down with token entry had these necklaces. I think Ernie made them. I'm not sure if he made them the ceramic ones. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And th- and that was like a symbol of just like I felt like positivity and like we're like we're New York hardcore, but we have our own we have our own different men- different mentality. You know what I mean? We're, we're on a different we're into different shit. You know what I mean? We're not just doing what everybody else is doing. That's why I thought it stood out really well and um. I think it's why I connected too, because I was I was into skate rock tapes. I was into JFA and McRad, and I was a skater kid listening to punk music in Maryland too. And then like, then there's I like the New York hardcore sound. Then you guys also skated, and like those those album covers, it would like those colorful, amazing drawings. I think Ernie did those too, like those caricatures and like the Jaybird yeah. the Jaybird album cover. That shit was just awesome artwork too. It was just like. You, you were attracted to it, you know what I mean? Because, like, and then obviously the music was amazing and the playing and the, those fucking leads that nobody was doing leads like that and shit on and hardcore records and shit. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know where that guy even came from. It was just amazing. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's why Token Entry stood out to me and I think that's why I connected to it. So to be able to go to move to New York with one of my favorite bands and live with you and skate and go to these shows is this, those times are like, ama- those are amazing times, you know? Um, absolutely, absolutely. And then, when did you, when did you end up leaving New York to come to California? I moved to California in December of 1993. Oh shit! Okay. Why? Wow, so <laughs> long, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. And and you're and you're a true New Yorker. Like you're from there. You're a native. Like you. Pro- I'm sure you have family out there still. Like, what made you make the move out here? Um, you know. In in ninety one, it was actually January of ninety one. Token Entry broke up, and me and Ernie were like, "All right, we're done. We're not gonna we're not gonna do this anymore. We're not gonna try and keep you know keep this going." Yeah. And I just got to a point where <clears throat> where I felt like I had gotten everything I was gonna get out of New York. Gotcha. Like I, I needed to change, I needed to change the scenery, you yeah. know? Uh, and I was just like, 
I was like, I can stay. I knew for a fact that I could stay in New York and be comfortable and, you know, get married and buy a house on the island and have, you know, 2.5 kids and, uh, and, um, and, and live the rest of my life. Just, you know, going to an occasional show Mm -hmm. and, and, and I knew that I, I could live that life and be fine. Yeah. But there was a part of me that was like, I could live that life and be fine. But all I'm doing, if I choose that path, is I'm just slowly eating a bullet. Yeah. You know, I'm just killing myself slowly. And you were in the union, too, right, at that point? I was in the union, yeah. I left. Okay. I quit. Wow. So I, was, was I that... I quit was the that, union. Mm-hmm. I packed up and uh, actually moved to New Brunswick, New Jersey. This was in 91. I moved to New Brunswick, New Jersey with all the Bouncing Souls yeah. guys. And... Uh, Chunk saw. Yep, all of that started. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff with them, you know. Same thing as you, like moving, you know, to New York. Yeah. Um, I just, I was like, that's it. I'm done here. Like you were done with Maryland. Yep. You know. Um, I was done with New York, so moved to New Brunswick. Lived there for about a year, or so, a little over a year, I guess. Yeah. And then made my way out to California. So, was that was that were you, were your parent was your family bummed you were leaving or I mean obviously you're a grown ass man but like was that a hard decision to make? Um, not for me. No. Yeah, <laughs> you were done with it. You not were like, yeah. Me. And then yeah, exactly. And then the, what was what was the, what was the final straw? Like, what was the reason why Token Entry broke up in '91? Um, we were actually we had a European tour booked. Okay. Um. Literally, we were supposed to leave on, I want to say, like, January 15th. Yeah. Like, tickets were purchased. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Plane was, like, everything was set. Set. And uh, two days before we were supposed to leave, um, the Desert Storm or whatever the first oh, uh, Iraqi war was, um, the U.S. dropped bombs in Afghanistan or Iran or wherever it was. Oh, shit. I remember this. And uh, at the time, so it was me and Ernie, and we had two brothers, Matt and Mike Citarella, playing bass and guitar, respectively. And um, so we're supposed to leave in two days. We drop bombs, and we, Ernie and I both get a call from Matt and Mike, and they say, we're not going. And we're like, what are you talking about? They're like, we're not going. There's going to be weird retaliations. Oh, my God. So so essentially, they were scared to go. Wow. And. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. So, and Ernie and I were just like, because this was, this was now the second European tour that we had to cancel on. Oh, um, man. The first one was, it, I want to say in 89. And uh, it, that one didn't get so far as, like, tickets being purchased or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. But when this happened, we were just, you know, Ernie and I were just crushed. We were like, man, yeah. we're, this is doomed. We, we can't keep doing this. You put all the energy and passion and everything into it, and then that shit happens. Yeah, that, yeah, that's totally, like, I get it. And, and it, it was too soon. Like, two days before, you can't get you can't get new players either to fill in and learn the song. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like. 
had it been like a week before even, yeah, you know, we could have been like, we need a guy, you know, I'm sure somebody over there would have been like, I'll play. Yeah, for sure. Was this a headlining tour? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was. So you're like, just fuck it, I'm over this shit. It's like, it's draining my energy. It's put so much into it and just felt like, I, I, I get it, 100%. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was it was heartbreaking, definitely. I'm sure, man. Um, there was um, years later, years later, probably crap. I don't know, 2009, I think. I was working for a band called Billy Talent from yeah, Canada. Yeah, I heard of them. Yep. And their their drum tech is a guy by the name of Stilly from Germany, and <clears throat> I show up on the tour. And still he's like, hey, mate, how are you? Good to meet you. You know, we're talking. And he's like, I drove six hours to see you at that first show that you guys never showed up for. shit. I was like, oh, my God. And this is years later, you know, almost almost 20 years later, I I meet this guy. Wow. And now me and and Stilly and I are great friends now, you know. But it was just like, oh, I was crushed. But, you know, he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one who drove. Yeah, of course. But I feel I feel I feel like you pretty much did what you wanted to do. Like you could have that union job, like you said, you know, a house in Long Island with family and shit. Obviously, you do have a family, have kids. Um, that like you just said, fuck, I'm just gonna do it, and, and that's pretty punk. Like you just said, you've all. I think you you pretty much lived your life always that way by your own rules. You know, like yeah, I tried to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It happens for all of us, but like pretty much with that mindset of like. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I mean, I feel like we're all of us are like that. That's why we're all still connected and friends. You know, we come from this, this place, I guess. Um, and w- what do you, what do you think it was for you that attracted you to punk in the first place? Like, was your older brother into it? No, no, nobody in my family was into punk. I have, I have seven brothers and sisters. Not one of them was into punk. Fuck. <coughs> classic, classic rock and shit, right? Oh, yeah. Tons of classic rock. Because I remember your brother used to play some shit in the, in the apartment. 100%. 100%. Um, so, what, what, so, how, so how did you get exposed to it then if they weren't exposing it to you? Um, through different, uh, you know, different people I met. People um, in school too or no? Not that many people at school really. I went to a, a Catholic high school. Wow. Um, yeah, so I went to an all-boy Catholic high school, uh, so didn't really meet anybody there that was into punk. Yeah. Um, I used to work Christmas season at uh, a, gar- uh, a garden store where my mom worked. Okay. And I would work selling Christmas trees and stuff. Awesome. And one, y- one year when I was working there, uh, you know, there was an older guy, and he was like, we were just talking, he was like, oh, here. And he gave me the um, Kraut 7-inch. Holy shit. And I was just like, he was, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can have it. Wow. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but that garden center is where I met Devil. Okay. So, uh, you know, Devil and I went to our first show together. Wow. Um, and there were, some, there were some other guys that were a little bit older who worked at the store that were into punk. So that's yeah. probably, and they were the guys who were like, Oh, you got to listen to boy, the show. Oh, you got to listen to noise, the show. Yeah. And they would like, 
make me mixtapes and give me stuff, you know? That's amazing, man. So that, that, that was like how I first got into it. And then, you know, listening to it, the whole rebellion of, of it. Yeah. Just, I fit right in line with it, you Are know? you like a black sheep in your family too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So did you bring that music home and, and show anybody in your family, like check out this music I'm listening to and they thought it was crazy or? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. My, my older brother, my oldest brother, um, threatened to beat the shit out of me one time because I was listening to the exploited. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it was oh, like, fuck the USA. Oh yeah. And, and he, he lost it on me. My mom used to, um, <laughs> so like, so then I started going to shows and stuff. And my mom would throw out T-shirts if she didn't like <laughs> graphics Holy on them. Shit! You know, like a Meat Men T-shirt, an MDC T-shirt. Oh, and those were foul uh, shirts. I remember those. Yeah, with the Meat Men, you suck. <laughs> all that shit. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, so like, it wasn't really uh, encouraged or supported by any means. Yeah. In 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 my house. But that but... made you like it even more, probably. This is my shit. You know exactly. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because it just it. It just fits in with the rebellion and the, you know what? I'm going to say, you're going to tell me what to do and I'm going to say, fuck you. Yeah. And did you, do, did you, do, did you do good in school? I, 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 I was okay in school, yeah. you know, but I, I definitely stopped caring. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so I went to the, the, the all boy Catholic high school. Uniforms, right? Anyway, uniforms. Uniforms, Damn. uniforms, hair couldn't touch the collar. The whole thing. Holy shit. Um, had, you know, brothers were, uh, which is like a priest light. They were, you know, they were, in, they were the teachers. Yeah. Um, so I went there for three years, freshman, sophomore, and junior year. At the end of my junior year, now junior year is definitely when I got into punk and hardcore the heaviest. Like yeah, that yeah. was when I was just like, this is what my life's all about. Yeah. <laughs> so at the, at the end of junior year, I got kicked out, uh, I, I remember it was towards the end of the year. There were about two weeks left of school and I get called down to the Dean's office and I'm just like, whatever. So I walk into the Dean's office and my mom is sitting there. Oh my God. And on the Dean's desk is a stack like six inches high of all the detention notices I had forged all year long. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was cutting shit. class and I was, Damn. You know, I was ditching school and I was cutting class and, shit, and I was just yeah. towards my mom's signature. And, uh, oh my God. So, so I'm sitting in there and they're like, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And finally the Dean just goes, we think it would be best if Timothy didn't come back next year. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy I'm dead serious. shit. Your mom was fucking flipping. I'm sure, man. Yeah. She was not happy by any means. Oh my. So what happened? So uh, I left, went to public school for my senior year, and went to public school with uh, Mike Smegma, Pete Kohler. Wow. Um, I'm not sure if Craig was there, but um, basically uh, there were a couple of guys. Robert Rivera might have been in our, in our year, uh -huh. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, like, Original alleyway crew. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so they, they, so now, now you're in a school with like your people's, like people like-minded like exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
yeah. And then it was great. So it was it was a hard going from like Catholic school into like public school. Or you loved it. it. Was like it was a hard. No, it was. Yeah. The thing about it is, when you're in Catholic school, all you hear about public school is that the teachers don't care. Yeah. So my first semester of my senior year, I just didn't go to school. I was just like, "Fuck it, I don't need to go." Uh, holy shit! So I failed. I failed every class. Oh shit! So my second semester, I was like, "I gotta straighten up. I gotta get a high school diploma." So I went to school from zero period to eighth period, which yeah. was like you know six thirty or seven o'clock in the morning until three in the afternoon. Jesus! And then, and then I took a bus across town to another school to make up more credits. Wow! And I did that for you know this the whole second half of my senior year and then still had to go to um, summer school after my senior year to get my diploma. That's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> Damn. Was your mom stressed? Were, were your mom pretty strict about that grades and stuff? No, actually she was, um, she was really supportive of that. She was like, all right, you're doing, you know, she was like, okay, I'm glad you're taking this seriously. I'm glad you're doing what you need to do. Yeah. But there were, were there any? So she was actually. Go ahead. What's up? I, I said, was there any? Was there any pressure or thoughts of college too? No, no, I uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Nobody in my family. <laughs> my family wasn't really college bound. Yeah, were you when you when you get out of school? So what? what were you just going to shows and stuff and skating? Would you, I'm sure you had a job somewhere, but like, did you know what you wanted to do at that point? You just kind of. Out there. Well, I was just—I was going to be an electrician. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had an uncle who was an electrician. He'd get me into the union. My both of my older brothers were electricians. Like family, yeah. five other guys in the neighborhood were electricians. It was like I was just going to be an electrician. Wow. It's like the thing to do. It's like it's like part of whatever you grow up in. That's what happens. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So then, fuck, man. So I'm sure when you started doing music, it was like a total shock to the family and stuff, and. Do you, do you mom, your mom's obviously went and saw. She came and saw Token Entry before. Was that like? Do you remember how that? She was? never saw us. What? She never saw us. Yeah. Holy shit! Really? Yeah. You try getting her to no. go to shows. She would never come to the shows. Exactly. Yep. Holy yeah, none shit! None of my none of my siblings, nobody in my family ever saw Token Entry. Bullshit, dude. Are you fucking serious. serious, dude? How many years you guys yeah. together? Like six. That's so crazy, man. That's not weird. That's not crazy if you think about it. It's it's that's fucking. What was the reason? <laughs> they just didn't care, or was scared of it, or thought it was weird, or like what was it? You think? Uh, you know, I don't know if she had a reason, or if she did, she never told me. Did that bother you? No. Okay. Mm-mm. It's okay. I mean, you know, she's got she got seven, she's got eight kids she had to take care of. No, I know, but shit, that's so wild. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure she's seen a video or something of you guys, at least. Uh, yeah, I think she's seen video of it. Yeah. Dude, but, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> but, you know, like a video, she's just like, oh, my Lord, that looks crazy. Fuck. That's fucking wild, man. Even your brothers didn't even come. That's, that's really crazy to me, man. And you think they, were, think they thought you were crazy when you quit the union? What that? They thought you were probably crazy when you quit the union too, probably, right? And said, fuck, I'm going to Cali. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When I was like, that's it, I'm done. They were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm 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 leaving. 
Wow, man. They're like, well, what are you doing? You're going to throw this all away? And I was like, who cares? You have, you have, no, regrets like, that, you have no regrets of that either, right? You know, it's, I don't have any, it's, it's weird. It's, regret's not the right word. Yeah. Um, had, had I stayed in the union, it, it's really funny, because had, had I stayed in the union, I'd probably be able to retire in like two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, then you'd be chilling. Yeah. Yeah. But do I regret quitting? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, you traveled all around you know, the world after that. You went everywhere. With, you know what I mean? You were touring so much. I went much. everywhere. Yeah. Went everywhere. You met, met a lot of cool people. Like, yeah, I remember always, you were always traveling, man, for a long time. Oh, God, yeah. And that, Absolutely. and that's the stuff you didn't get to do because you didn't get to go to Europe with Token Angels, so you got to go to Europe probably a million times after that with other bands, right? Oh fuck yeah, so many, so many times. Yeah, so you still get to see so the I've world. Probably been, probably been to Europe twenty, twenty-five times maybe. Damn, it's crazy. You know, like, like it's, that's crazy, man. Yeah, you know, like you said, all around the world, gone. You know. When you wake up in Perth, Australia, and you realize you're about as far away from New York as you can possibly be. That's <laughs> crazy. And, and, and you're not, like, sad about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different world that people understand about touring and the difference between reality. And, and I don't want to call it touring fantasy, but obviously you just get to travel the world. It's amazing. You do what you love. And even if, you, even if it's... Even if it's on the side of like working and teching and setting up shit, you still get to travel and see things. It's it's it's, a, it's an amazing thing. I think it's, I think it was way. I'm it's it, it was my college for sure. It was way, getting an education, a worldly view, and everything. You know. Um, yeah. Well, absolutely, absolutely. It's something totally special that, unless you do it, you really can't. People really don't understand it. Um, it's pretty pretty awesome. You get paid to, whether you're working, like I say, whatever you're doing, you get to travel and. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome. So you pretty much did exactly what I did. I took a chance, moved to New York, lived with you. You took a chance, came to California, knew like one person out here, and and here we are, still out here. It's pretty amazing, man. Like, and it all started from just like I don't know. I just feel like I'll, just meeting you in D.C. and fan of your band, and it's because of you. You were like the key to me getting to New York. You were like the fuck. I don't know, I don't know what to call it, but I appreciate you doing that for me at a very young age and let me do that and. I got to get out there and experience life and then end up starting my band and being a roadie and all that stuff, you know? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I don't I don't look back and, and go like, oh, I really wish I stayed in the reunion. Oh, I really wish I stayed in New York. Yeah. Like, that, you know, it's... Um, do you know Brian Meehan? Yeah. Uh, played guitar and kill your idols? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. yeah. Um, he did a very similar thing. He was in the union and he quit, you know, traveled all around the world. Um, and we, we were talking just a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that he was working with a guy who said, oh, yeah, this is this is Brian. He quit the union because he's a loser. And Brian just laughed and said, really, I'm a loser. He's like, yeah, I quit the union. But I've been to like 10 different countries. Where have you been? Wow. He's like, you've been to Secaucus. <laughs> how, how am I a loser? That's so funny, man. 
It's so true because there's, there's people that don't leave their town, leave their city, leave their fucking house. They just go to work, come home. That's all they do, and that's all they know. And that's good as long as they're happy. You know, kudos to you. But there's some people that don't even fucking leave. They never fly. They never fly an airplane. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. I have a weird theory about people from Queens, especially, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I think people in Queens live vicariously through us. Mm, interesting. You know, like like my brothers don't leave Queens. My brothers don't leave New York ever. But yeah. But they get to tell everybody they work with and all their friends. Oh yeah, my brother was just in Japan. He said it was amazing. Yeah. It was snowing, you know, yeah. like like stuff like that. Like they get to tell these stories that that we tell them. Yeah. So they they live vicariously through us. I, I wonder what I wonder what it is with people like us who all, we're all connected by punk rock and skateboarding, all this shit, and we all have this thing where like we don't we're, we're not not saying we're not worried about the future because we both have children and stuff. And we have we're parents and stuff, but like. We're, we're, even at, even at, during our whole life, we're just like we just want to do what we want to do and we love and we don't give a fuck and we're not going to be like everybody else and not going to be in society and all this shit and get tattoos and I wonder what, what kind of breed of people we are that we all somehow we all found each other. It's pretty amazing and that we all like live these lives and we're still like big kids even when, even though we have real responsibilities and and we are parents. It's still like this part of us of this like. We're so connected to this music and this culture, and still, even in our, I'm about to be 50 in two years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's something that's so instilled in us. It's so special that not everybody gets to have that experience or be a part of this. And it's just it's just interesting how it sticks with you f- for your entire life. It's not something you grow out of. You know, no matter what you're doing in your life. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. Um, I you know I I don't know what it is about it either like i don't know what that gene or that trait is that that people like you and me have yeah um but underlying a lot of it i think is going back to like what i was saying earlier like i could have stayed in new york and just been okay with everything but inside there's a part of me that's like i want more i want this is what I know makes me happy. Me, I want more. What makes me happy? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, what makes me happy is playing music. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's 500 kids there or if there's five kids there. Exactly. Playing music is what makes me happy. Yeah. Traveling around, you know, dri- I mean, driving in a van with the people in your band for eight hours. <laughs> it's crazy. That's, like, like the show itself, whether it's a total bust or or the greatest show you've ever played, the eight hours leading up to that 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 connection, yeah, man, camaraderie and is, family vibe, is, yeah, and brotherhood. Exactly, that's what it is for me. It's like, um, you know, that's what I miss the most about those days. Doing something, you love, that, doing something you love with your best friends, and just going to have fun. Exactly. No matter what. Like, exactly. That's like, that's priceless. That's fucking, that's real life friendship. But that's, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy, man. Like the, the memories are so vivid from everything from back then and um, with music and stuff. And it's just, um, it really, it really, it really scopes you into like the humans that we are from everything we learned from that. Um, 
even just values about racism and sexism, all that stuff, stuff you didn't learn about in school, you know, or your parents taught you, and just standing up for shit and believing in yourself, and I don't know, man, it's it's really something special, you know. Um, so I think we'll have like we'll be like this till we die, you know, young till we die. Um, Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's pretty amazing, but yeah, I think. Um, Fuck man, we talked. We talked. We covered a lot of shit. I really appreciate your time, and also I appreciate Timmy. I appreciate like you obviously taking me in when I was a youngster and introducing me to people and taking me under your wing. And it's pretty amazing that it's stories like that don't happen anymore. I don't know how. I don't know how long ago those stories stopped happening. It's just like just how we met and everything. It's just it's pretty amazing. And I, I thank you for that because because of you opened so many doors for me as a person and meeting new people and, and actually and starting my band, um, which is. Yeah, and but the, but like that's like I was saying earlier about you know it's a friendship. Yeah, that's where it goes full circle because yeah. what two months ago H two O played and you let us you know and I talked to you and you're like okay yeah. yeah and you made it happen where my new band that rage could, could open yeah and and it was incredible you know yeah. it was great it's and that's that's the friendship that's like you know I agree. We may not see, we, we may not see each other all the time or hang out all the time, but we have we have we have a, we have a connection and a friendship from a long long time ago. We know each other really really well. Like you knew me when I was a fucking teenager, and the fact that we're both playing music right. playing music still and we played together, it's fucking awesome. Now I feel bad that my mom was at the show because your mom never seen your band play. Now I feel like bad that my mom was at the LA show. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck man, I wish Jimmy Chunks' mom come to the show. Fuck man. Um, and then also people don't know it's a quick fact. Um, on the way to the world album, I get a shout out from Timmy on the song. Um, sack flap laid back, right? People don't really know that's yep. about me, so I appreciate the love on that. And that's a, that's a, um when I was young, I used to do this thing where I'd smack my sack against my butt called the sack flap. <laughs> 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 oh shit, sack flap laid back. And I'm gonna go back home. That's less it was, information. It was it was too hard to find something to rhyme with shooting rope. Exactly. Exactly. That's a whole ne- that's a whole nother fucking episode. Um, people hit me up from that from time to time and ask me about that. It's so funny to do like a random comment from a private account. You rope lately? I'm like motherfucker. That shit ended fucking in my twenties. Um, you miss- if you weren't there, you weren't- if you missed it, you missed it. Um, but I love you, Timmy. And I appreciate everything you've done. I I, I appreciate what token entries done for me in my life. Um, they did for me as a kid. What they still do when I listen to those songs, I get goosebumps. I have so many great memories and. All that, man, and uh, that's it. I appreciate your time, Timmy, Mr. Chunks. Uh, appreciate it. I love you, buddy. I love you too, man, and uh, hopefully we'll play some, we'll get you guys on some more shows next time we're playing and stuff, for sure. Check out Let Rage, everybody. I got a que- I, yeah. I got, I got a question for you. Yeah. Where, where's the cool uh, indoor skate parks? I want to start skating again. You can come skate anytime at the barracks. My wife runs the barracks skate park downtown. She, she's boss lady. You can skate there anytime you want. It's fucking amazing. Awesome. Have you heard of the barracks? Awesome. I don't know. Dude, look it up. It's like I've just, most... just seen that. Yeah. I've, I've seen some of the the posts you've put up on it. Yeah, dude. That's anytime it. you want to go there, dude, or we can skate the Brooklyn Projects mini ramp that they were built in the back. It's super dope. One side's pool coping, one side's regular. But the, um, the barracks skate park. I'll, I'll send you a link once we get off the phone. 
My wife's there every single day. We can go anytime we want. I'll, I'll even meet you there on the weekend or something. It's just carving and shit. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm there like a street skater guy, and I'm embarrassed when I go there because I get all hyped to skate, and there's like all these young kids shredding with no pads on. I'm like dads with pads all the way. So like for me, for me, for me, I get a little nervous skating there. I end up just watching my son skate and getting like just be the old guy that's filming my son do his little his little little lines and stuff. But if you go, right. I'll I'll carve around with you. Yeah, it's fucking intimidating. It's beautiful. It's it's a little slippery sometimes. Kids are just shredding railings and all this. It's fucking. But yeah, I um awesome. I have a dream of getting a mini ramp in my backyard. We'll see what happens if my we'll see what happens. I'm trying to work out a deal with my wife and my son about getting a mini ramp would be pretty awesome. Hell yeah, that'd be awesome. I love skating ramps. But yeah, the barracks man. I'll, I'll send you a text about it. All right, please do. All right, much love, Timmy. Oh yeah, check out check right, out Let Rage. What's your Instagram? Let Rage, right? Uh, Let Rage Official. Let Rage Official. Check out his new band. Yeah. Um, all right, Tim, we love you, brother. Thank you. Love you too, Toby. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Try to I got my man Devil on the phone right now, Debussy. 
John Turner, a good friend of mine. Um, when I first moved to New York in 88, I was living in Flushing, Queens for a couple months. Um, and then I got kicked out of there because um, Timmy Chunks forgot to tell his brother I was moving all the way there from Maryland. Um, so then I think I went to the Schick House, which was your house. Is that correct? Do you think? Yeah. No, no, no. You moved to you moved to Sid's closet at the Gorilla Biscuit. Yeah, but that was after I I did a little stint on Steinway Street with Dave Stein. I also stayed with Arthur Smilios at his mom at his dad's house with him and his sister. But I know I was on your couch maybe before. I don't know if that's I don't know if you and Craig lived there, right? It was me, Craig, and Alma. That was Chick House. And where where in Queens was in that? We were we actually uh, we were not that far from the Gorilla Biscuits house. Actually, it was New Year's Eve. Of '88 into '89, when we discussed about getting an apartment, like, listen, I'll see, I'll move in with you guys. Wow! And uh, yeah, it was a, the grill business house. It was a lot of fun, and it turns out that our apartment was the exact same setup as theirs. It was just like a mirror image of it. Oh wow! So like the craziest shit, but I don't think. I don't think I think I met you at the grill biscuit house. Yeah. So what year did I meet you? I probably met you like '88. I was probably like probably eighty eight, maybe eighty nine. I'm not certain if it was around dudes before or after. Yeah, because those guys live around the block from Burger King, so like we would be over there a lot. Yeah, that's right, Murder King. They call it on the corner. Um, <laughs> so for those listening, yeah. so Devil Devil's been a bus driver his whole life, but he's also part of the Alleyway Crew, and I think it might be safe to say that he has the most sick of it all dragons. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, I think so. I think I have like ten of them. Wow. What was yeah, the what was yeah, the last yeah. was the last one you got? Was it many years ago? Last one I got is probably over twenty years ago. Wow. I know Siv did like a flaming eight ball, but instead of the eight we did the dragon. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I, I think that's the last one I got. So I, I remember me, just... I, I remember meeting you and all those guys in Queens and you guys kinda took me under your wing in a sense. And I remember going to many shows with you and driving into the city in your car and um, Uh huh. <laughs> um, we had so many fun times back then. Um, and then did you you came on some? Did you go on some tours with Sick with All and Us too? Uh, the first time that we actually you were living in the Rillabus house when I met you. We did that tour with Sick with All and AF in '91. Oh yeah. So that was that was the one and only time I actually went out for more than like like a day or so. Yeah. We did that ten days, and then they shot the video with Gorillaz and AF over at the Ritz. Yeah, '91. Yeah. Live in NYC, yeah, right yeah. Right when the war started. <laughs> wow, man! And so, yeah. So you were you 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 maintained being a bus driver throughout all that, like even going to shows well, and all that. Well, actually, I haven't been a bus operator in ten years. I got promoted to dispatcher, and then I got promoted to a manager like five years ago. Oh wow! So it's been, yeah, so so I'm the I'm a boss at Transit now. So. That's amazing. But you st- but you've been in that union for a long time, right? Actually, I was out of the union from 2013, and I just got—we just started a new union. Oh, really? For the managers, yeah. So oh, wow. I'm in that now. It's about—it's like it's—it's uh, it's two years now since the new union formed. So we're represented once again. So. Oh wow, that's amazing! That's yeah. all. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool because usually, like you know, when you're a manager, it's like you and they can do whatever they want with you. But now that we've got a representation. Like yeah. The contract they got rules they got to follow with us so yeah that's amazing Just like any other union yeah yeah i always thought it was cool that you were like this slick back driver covered in tattoos and you, <laughs> and you, and you was like a bus driver it was so cool though yeah. man it was so cool <laughs> um and now i'm like a boss with all these tattoos and people are like 
why do you have those? I'm like, oh, they're mostly gang related. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I had this fucking with you. <laughs> but did people bug out on you back then, like being a bus driver, tatted up like that? I got a lot of strange looks because it was like normal people riding the bus, you know. Yeah. Even though, like, when I used to drive the bus to Rikers Island, the jail in New York City, and, uh, you know, people were like, oh, are you an outlaw? I'm like, what? Are you a biker? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? I got tattoos. That's all. I'm a bus driver. Yeah, it's just <laughs> such stereotypes back then, too, before tattoos were so so yeah. popular, you know oh, what I mean? I, like, yeah, I still get the biker question a lot. You, you do? Know? Oh, what kind of motorcycle do you ride? I'm like, never rode a motorcycle. I've my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, know, you, have any, you have any good stories from back then of us? I remember like I just remember going to Ritz a lot with you and and like driving to the city and I forgot what car what kind of car did you have back then? Uh, I had a blue money call and I got rear-ended by a garbage truck. Oh shit! I had that when I lived in Chick House. Uh, had that for a couple. Of, you know, had that car for like eight years. Yeah, I drove that shit until it fucking died. That shit was done. You know. Yeah. So, but uh, so a lot of shows back in those days. It was like my second job. We used to go to show like every other night almost. I know, like five dude. Or six nights a week, we were in a club. And then Lou's girl worked at the uh, the Ritz, I think. So we always got hooked up at the Ritz. Yeah, yeah. Sierra was there, yeah. and then May worked there. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty well, we amazing. Knew everybody. Man. Everybody knew everybody back then. Now it's like, yo, know, it's like, who's that old guy over there? Like, fuck you, man. I've been around before you were born. Do you, is it different going to shows now in New York? Does you feel like a different vibe and? I don't see much hardcore, you know, like I'll go see like Sick of It All, like my friends are killing time. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I'll go see those guys play, but as far as most of the time, I don't really go see hardcore anymore. Wow. You know, I see some metal stuff. Yeah. I see some like regular like punk rock bands, like punk rock and roll kind of style. Like, yeah. You know, like uh, I just saw this band from Chicago the other night, the Criminal Kids. They were really good. Oh, wow, that sounds a cool name, and actually. Had, yeah, yeah. It's a cool name, and I got a couple of buzz. They were cool guys. I talked to them for a little while. It's awesome. So you've seen the scene go from like the most insane to like really, really popular, then like kind of died out, and then it's interesting, man. Like how long we've been going into this music and this culture. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for the longest time, like I didn't have any friends that weren't involved in one way or another, either going to see bands with us, yeah, or being in bands or working for bands. All we knew was people from the hardcore scene. It was just like people like. I don't have anything against you. It's just like, I don't really get to interact with you, so I'm not going to be your friend. Yeah. You know, I'll be your friend if we know each other, but as far as like how I'm going to meet you, it's going to be you're at a show. Yeah. You know, right. We're in a record store or something. You know, you get a ride with me because I always ended up, nobody else still had a car. Mm-hmm. I was the only guy with a car. Yeah. So people were like, oh, let me get a ride. All right. Yeah, cool. Be like nine people in my car. It's like, fucking game. <laughs> turn the steering wheel and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and like really no phones back then too It's like yo I'll meet you here at this time And that's yeah. it I'll see you at that time That's right I'll see you tomorrow Like I I remember getting calls like in the morning on a Sunday I got a call from somebody like, Dude could you help me bring my amber to the city and I'm like alright I'll drive you And then I gotta come back out and bring, pick everybody up And bring them in Damn. And it's like and everybody's on their own Because I gotta drive this giant amp back to this guy's house but, <laughs> but I, I, anybody but us. I always love the fact that like no matter what, you always went to work the next day. You always been working class dude. Like one of probably one of the only people yeah. I probably met in New York who had like a real job, man. Maybe a couple other people, yeah. but it's crazy. <laughs> the only people that I know with real jobs are the guys I work with now. You know, like yeah. Most of people are like, you know, oh, I wish I started when I was younger, like you did. I was like, yeah, but you got to go around the world. You know, how old? How old when you so started? You kinda, when you started doing that? 
I was 21 and a half when I got hired at Steinway Transit. Wow, man. So, you know, I'm an old man now, but I'm still too young to retire. When can you retire? What age? Uh, 57. Okay. So I got four more. I'm only 53 now, so I got like four years left, but I already, I just started my 33rd year the other day, so. Holy shit, you know, that's I got a amazing. Lot of time in. <laughs> wow. Wow. It flew by, but, you know, you think, like, you're going to work your whole life anyway. I think now with a lot of younger people, they don't have, like, a job for their life. They have a bunch of jobs because that's, like, yeah. back in the day, it was weird if you didn't stay at a place for any amount of time. Just one spot, yeah. If you yeah. didn't stay, you know, like, three or four years, like, why did you leave so soon? But now it's, like, accepted because the, the way the jobs are now, it, it's not like you're going to stay in any place for a long time. They want you to move around and you yeah. find new adventures and you – different kinds of industry to get involved in and especially all this tech stuff yes you work on a project the project's done now you go to the next one so it's such different t- what, what, it do makes you, sense do you live in queens or in brooklyn no i'm in queens now i'm back nice. i was living out long out for a little while nice yeah. i'm back in glendale you know i go out fairly often yeah if i'm awesome like i don't really i rarely go to new york city like manhattan yeah it's mostly like brooklyn because most of the you know there's a bunch of shows in brooklyn all the time it's so. crazy man how everything Bo- changed man yeah, it's rare I go to Manhattan. Were you born? Like, and it's not that far. Yeah. Were you uh, born in Queens? Yeah, I was born in Astoria, actually. Awesome. So if I'd have stayed there, would have been one of the Astoria guys. But we only lived there for like uh, I think it was two when we moved. Wow. And yeah, well, well, right before. Right before what? Right around the time my sister was born, we moved. So I moved to Jackson Heights, but. I didn't know those guys. I was on the other end of Jackson Heights. I was like kind of halfway between like Hoy and Big Dave and then the like Anthony and them other guys. I was like in the middle of that. Oh, wow. But I never knew any of those guys so way after. Yeah, so how'd you meet everybody? Like, how'd you meet Sick of It All and stuff? Uh, I worked at this place called Garden World and I had worked in a restaurant since like 80, uh, 84, right after I got out of high school. Yeah. And Timmy Chunks worked there. Because his mom had was a manager there. So Dude, he just said this. Family I just had him on my podcast yesterday, and he mentioned meeting you at Garden World. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Awesome. So we were like the two weirdos there. Like, and it was funny because there were these two other guys that worked there. Yeah. And they were, you know, like me, like one guy was like seven years older than me, but they had been going to hardcore shows from like 1979, 1980. Yeah. And they used to DJ and stuff, and they like got out of the scene. Like they didn't stick. A lot of those people didn't stick around long. Yeah. And they had like all these records, the minus threat seven eights I got from this guy. You know, I heard the whole thing, all these records, and I'd only heard like one or two songs off of. Damn. But like me and Timmy, which we started hanging out, and then the Circle Jerks were playing at the Rock Hotel, uh, 1984 into 85, and we're like, let's go. So we went, and like we started going. That was when I started going to shows. That was on my first show. Holy me and shit. Timmy. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, so you guys both didn't know Sick of anybody at that point. Uh, Tim went to a different high school than I did. Yeah. And he's younger than me. Like, yeah. I think he's like a year or two younger than me. I forget sometimes. Yeah. But he knew all those guys and he was trying out for drums for them. Oh, wow. And then like, I, we, uh, my parents had gone away for the summer. So I had access to a car. So we drove to the show is, uh, COC was playing out in Dover in the show place. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it's still there or not, but yeah. I drove everybody out there. It was like nine of us in my dad's car, like sitting in that traffic for like two hours before <laughs> oh, we got <shit>. there. <laughs> and that's how I met those guys. Like I had met them once before at a hardcore show. Yeah. I forget who was playing. It might've been, uh, it might've been DOA or GBH. I forget. Yeah. And, uh, 
we all went out and it was like nobody really talked to me and stuff. Really? <laughs> this is the first time they met me. Yeah, well, the first time they met me, I was really, really drunk and shit. Okay. And I was being an idiot. Yeah. But, uh, but that's how I, then I started like hanging out the alleyway. Yeah, so tell us, then, about, like, tell know, us about the alleyway. I mean, people know the alleyway from the, the first Sick of It All 7. It's everybody staying in this alleyway, which is part of the alleyway yeah. crew. Like, wh- where, is the alley- mm-hmm. where is the alleyway and what does it represent? Well, actually, it was just like a spot to hang out. It was like you hang out in a schoolyard and stuff, but this was an actual alleyway between the ends of the school and an apartment building. Okay. And, like, you could come in from – so instead of even having to walk all the way around the block, if you lived on the other side of the school to get into the school, you could just cut through. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so we just hung out there, and it was like, you know, the alleyway of death. It was, like, kind of corny, but it was like, that's why I started hanging out with those guys. Alleyway we'd sit there, of death. We'd be drinking. The alleyway of death. So it was just a and place to hang out, just, like, right? Hang out. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool, you know. You know, it was just a spot we would go there and, you know, hang out like on a Saturday night. And I started doing that every Saturday. And we would go to show, we'd go to the matinee the next day. I mean, that, those guys didn't go to every matinee. I know I did. Yeah. Once I started going to CBGBs, I was at every one of them for like, I don't know, like three years or something. Yeah. Like right until I, when I got on the buses and after that, it kind of. Once I was working on a Sunday afternoon, and that was the end of that. But yeah, you know, I went to see a lot of those shows. Did anybody? And when I had the car, forget it. Yeah, the car, everything. Yeah. Did um? Would, would, did oh, any, it was any, the game changer. Yeah. Did anybody go to school at that school? Yeah, it's just a random school. <laughs> uh, it's a junior high school. Okay, but nobody oh, went actually, to school there. I, uh, I don't think so. Anybody? You know who did this? This guy Lenny that I know. Okay. He's he's uh he's another music guy, but he was younger than us, so. Yeah. But I don't think anybody. It was you know it was it was right by everybody's house, and they just kind of ended up going there. It was like halfway between like the train and their houses. So. Yeah. And it was cool. Nobody bothered you. You know, people shot at us and shit, but you know, people what? Stuff in at us, but somebody fired a BB gun in there one night. At oh us. shit! And we went looking, but they were gone when they came out. And there were some guys. Those guys went to school with that. We had some beef with, but. Most time it was just like us hanging out, being you know, listening to music and having fun. Yeah, it was like it was like you guys like were like the non-metal metalheads hanging out. <laughs> like you yeah. guys said, your music, you listen, <laughs> listen to hardcore there and shit, and just hanging out like. Yeah, and then like you know, once Sick of It All started playing, and we kind of, you know, shows are big on Saturday night, so you had something else to do on Saturday night. We never really, I haven't hung out there, and I don't know, since probably like '86. Oh wow. So right, right around the time I remember, after the first Secret All show, we came back over there and like, uh, well, Anthony Kamenali was supposed to come down. I forget who showed up. I don't know if we ever actually hooked up that night, but afterwards, like guys would come down. Like they had this big like, oh wow, the alleyway. We're going through the alleyway, and it's like you get there, and it's like, dude, it's like 15 feet long. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> But it was like the seed that we needed to like to get everybody together. And it's just yeah. like you just go there, and then we'd all be at shows together. So I'd be like, "Oh, cool." So how many people in you the alley- see this at- band? in the alleyway crew at that time? Uh I'd say it was probably like fifteen of us. It was oh, all the wow. guys, and like Pete, it was Pete and Lou. Craig used to come down sometimes. Almond, if he was down from Tarrytown. Uh Big David be there, Little David be there, me, uh, Marie Kelly, who was dating Pete at the time. Yeah. May used to come. She was dating Lou at the time. Yeah, and it was like you know, all the people would show up. They'd come down once in a while. Like Ron and Paul from Mass, but they would show up once in a while. Yeah. 
but it was a cool, it was a cool little thing. It was like that. It was just that thing where like I was just out of school, and I found like where I belong. Those are the guys. These are like they were just like me. It was like, hey, we're all like each other. Yeah. Not exactly, but yeah. enough that it could be. I got now. I'm in a crew. You know, there's a bunch of us. Yeah, not like yeah, just yeah. Me by myself. Yeah. And then you know, and that's how that whole alleyway crew thing came around. It wasn't like you know, with like the tough guys or nothing. It was just like, who are you going with? Ah, oh, the alleyway guys. Oh, who's that? And then after a while, <laughs> nobody had ever asked. Yeah. Nobody asked you because everybody knew. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, we all got that tattoo, and it was just like everybody had the necklace. And I still have mine. You know, I still Damn, wear it every still day. That, that's awesome. Do you still have the original? Wow. Yeah. It got cracked, and I got it fixed, and then I got to put in this piece of uh. It's set in uh, stainless. I think it's either stainless, some sort of steel. It's either yeah. stainless silver or steel, but I still wear it every single day. Who made those? And wh- who made yeah. those originally? Pete made those. Pete worked in this place where they made the stuff out of like, like these little ceramic pendants. Uh-huh. And he just made one, and it was like, well, I those shoes are cool. And he made one for everybody. We all had it. Holy shit, I never knew that. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, that's how you knew, like, you know, who was really down because. They had that real dragon, the one that Pete made. Holy shit! And then, and where'd that dragon come from? Was that a tattoo flash, supposedly? Uh, this kid, you remember Duck? Yeah, Ducky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ducky saw it on. It was on the bottom of this flash sheet. It was uh, Greg Irons. Okay. Uh, he was dead. He was already dead by that time. He got hit by a bus. Kind of weird, but holy shit! He had it. He had it on the bottom of the sheet. It was like it was like the signature for that sheet. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever used it on anything else but that. That's the only time I ever saw it. And Duck was like, "I want to get that." And then he got it on the back of his head, like right just behind his ear. Yeah. And we were like, "That's cool. We should all get it." And we all like, I think I, everybody who hung out there all the time, we all had it. That's crazy. I remember. I remember. Uh, Lou, I remember. It's the only one Lou had on his wrist for a long time. I Lou think. has it on his wrist. Yeah. Uh, I think Pete has it on his wrist. I have my first one is on my wrist. That's amazing, man. Uh, oh, shit. My, my, yeah. first, my was, first one was on my wrist, too. Oh, shit. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Wow, yeah, dude. I like, hide it from my parents because I had like, wear my watch over to see it. My mom didn't know I was tattooed. So. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> so then, like, that, that, seven inch, yeah. that seven inch put the alleyway on the map, dude. That first seven inch. Yeah, definitely. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, shit. There's, like, that's where it comes from. The dragon. It just all, it all worked really good together. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like some you know, I know a lot of people think that there's a lot of like you see these bands now that get marketed right off the bat. And they got managers and shit. Yeah, it's a plan, but there was no plan. It was like I just put out a record, play some shows, and then all of a sudden, thirty-five years later, it's crazy, you know, man. Still amazing. doing it. I know, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like it's thirty-three. It'll be it'll be thirty-three years this summer. It's amazing, it's so man. It's, it's like, so fuck. amazing, dude. Are you so proud? So you're like a proud dad for them and shit. It's crazy. Fucking A, right. I mean, you know, I got an alleyway dragon on my throat now. So, I yeah. mean, come on, you see that shit. Yeah. You know, I'm still people like, what is that? I'm like, hey, I got all this shit that the people look at, but it's always like, yeah. Guys, like, I meet people around the country and they're like, oh, you sick of it all. I'm like, yeah, oh, shit, man. Oh, blah, blah, I got this. And, like, guys got the dragon and stuff. I'm yeah. Like, wow, it's crazy. It's so Sorry, awesome. People, like, asking me, can I? People are like, oh, can I get the dragon? I'm like, no. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm just fucking with you. But so many people have it. It's like, there's like three Facebook pages and like two Instagram pages. There's people with alleyway dragons. It's so, so it's all, it's around the whole entire world, man. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's so cool seeing that. Yeah. And to know that, like, you know, we would, there was like maybe 10 of us that had it. And now all of a sudden there's like thousands of people. 
Ev- everywhere around the whole entire globe. Yeah, it's worldwide. <laughs> Um, kind of funny. You think that a bunch of knuckleheads are like teenagers, and then all of a sudden, we're like we're like adults and shit now, and people are still getting it. Yeah, it's crazy how far that that music's gone, and um, it's just it's just crazy how far that music's gone, and that dragon's gone, and how internationally known it is, and and like, and you guys just these kids hanging on the alley, and the band had just started, right? Like, had they been playing lots of shows when the what came first, the band or the no, alleyway? The alleyway was definitely first. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, when I first started hanging out, that was like the summer of 85. And they didn't play the first show as a right track in the summer of 86. So, you know, they, had a whole, they were practicing and stuff, but they hadn't played a show till that one with uh, Youth is Today, I think was the headliner. Yeah. I think, I think the first, no, it, was, no, it wasn't the first Straight Ahead show. That was different. That was a different night. Oh, Straight Ahead uh, was on the first yeah, show, yeah. Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, I think that, that was their first show was Deuce Today. I don't remember who else played. But I remember us like loading all this shit into my car and like piling everybody else in. It was, it was like it was a dangerous load we had in my car, but it sounds like it sounds like you it sounds like you were the guy with a fucking car. <laughs> I was the first guy with a car. Yeah. I was the only guy with a car. It's crazy because you know, I was the only guy with a driver's <laughs> license. Yeah, it's crazy because I talked to my friend Shauna from D.C. or from Maryland, and she started when she got her license at 16. She was like our golden ticket, and we started going to shows in D.C. with like everybody crammed in a fucking car, blasting music. It was just such a fun mission to go to those shows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because you never you never got to a show by yourself. You went there, and you, everybody was there, and everybody else was there. So yeah, I mean, people took the trains cool. and the shit like that, but I think taking wasn't taking the trains and ship buses kind of sketchy back then. Not if you were rolling like five or six deep. Yeah, that's know. true. That's true. That's true. You know, we never, I mean, I took the train by myself a lot back then, but we were going to matinees. We'd like go to like Pete Lou's house and we'd walk down to the subway and we'd all be on the train together. Yeah. You know, and we'd meet like Big Dave and Little Dave. They lived in Corona, so they were like a couple of stops away from us and they'd yeah. get on and Rob would be there. We'd meet them all on the train. So, you know, that's we'd awesome. all roll in together. Do, do, yeah. do you feel like everything that you, do you feel like, you learn more probably about life and living in, and um, community and treating people from hardcore music more than anything else in your life, your experiences. You think that's something that it's, it's stuck with you your whole life? Definitely. It was like the build. It was like the first step was that little seed where like you were like, like when I was in high school, I never got bullied or nothing. You know, I wasn't a small kid. Yeah. So I'm sure like, you know, a lot of people got bullied with littler guys, but I I played sports with people and shit, you know? Yeah. But like, I never really had that connection. I was always like a music guy. Mm -hmm. And then when I got out of school, I was working and all I did, I worked in this restaurant and all I did was spend my money on records. Awesome. We'll go go to the city, be all over the place buying records. Bleaker Bobs. The guys that I went to (laughs) the Bleaker Bobs, Yeah. Tower. Some I records. The first time I went to Tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some records. Well, some records. It was after, like, when I first started going to shows. Okay. But I remember, I had never been in Tower Records, and there was this record store out in Little Neck, and uh, what the hell was that? I forget what it was, Metro Records. And when Rock the Light came out, mm-hmm. it, he was like, "I'm gonna get us good." And it was like a month. He's all oh, probably next week, probably next week. And it was like. I was like, dude, it's like six weeks you've been telling me this. <laughs> so we went out. <laughs> so we're out in we're out in the city one night. We went to see a uh, laser Zeppelin at the Hayden Planetarium. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, 
was like it got out like early, so like fuck it, let's go downtown. So we're walking around, and my friends are like, "Oh yeah, this record store, Kotal Records. It's open till midnight." I'm like, "What? No." <laughs> and I'm like, "Where is it?" And and they're like, "Oh, we don't know." So we're wandering around, and we see this dude with a Tower Records bag. We run over to him, and he's like, "He's ready to get a beat down." And we're like, "Where is that place?" <laughs> so we're like, "Where is that place?" And he's like, "Uh, how did he get there?" And he gave us directions, so we Holy went shit. there. So we come down. So we come down Broadway, and it's like kind of dark. It's nighttime, and we open up. We go to Tower Records, and it's, it's just like the middle of the day, and it's brightly lit. Yeah. So I walk inside, and then like hear like angels playing harps when we walk through the door. I'm like, holy shit, this place is amazing. <laughs> we and all the records are alphabetized, right? So I walk down, I follow the bees, and I get to the B section, and there's fucking Rock the Light in the B section. There's like sixty of them. Holy shit. I bought it. I never, ever went back to Metro Records after that. Wow, dude. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. shit. And I spent so much money in Tower. Tower, Virgin, all those fucking giant stores, all those small stores. Dude, I remember you had a lot of music, dude. Records. Yeah, you had a lot of music, man. Yeah. What, what, you, what, mean, what was like your first rec- record? Like, what was it, like, your first connection to music? Why I love that so much, you think? The first record I ever got was Steal Your Face by the Grateful Dead, that double live record. Holy shit. <laughs> Which is so unhardcore. Yeah. And also, the cool the cool thing about that, that was the thing that got me into Skulls. I love that cover to this day. I mean, I got that and I was like, I don't know, I was like 10, I think. Holy shit. Uh, maybe, actually, I think it was, yeah, I think I was probably like 10 years old when I got that record. Yeah. And I've loved Skulls since that. Like, on my copy of the vinyl, you can see where I traced that skull. And you see, like, oh, marks wow. The record go. You still have that record? It's the craziest. I still, yeah, I still have it. Holy shit. Still have it. it was my, that was my first real record album. Like, we had shit in the house that my father had, like, we got from people. Like, he got, like, all these disco records from this guy on the bus one time. <laughs> and when I, that, that was my first record. Did you did you then, so did your dad play music around you a lot and kind of got you into music? No, nah, my parents, my my mom like Richard Tauber, she was a good Irish lady. You know? Okay, Richard Tauber was a big thing with Irish people for whatever reason, like this German tenor guy. <laughs> it's random. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, like they never they didn't really listen to music. I mean, yeah. I found like you know I got my first record, I got my first radio when I was like, I think it was five. Oh wow! And it was. It was a Superman. It was shaped like Superman, and I loved <laughs> Superman in those days. Yeah, and it was an AM radio, and uh, I remember listening. It was two stations, WABC and WNBC, and they played, you know, I guess what you would call pop for the day. But it was, you know, it was a lot of rock and roll stuff. Yeah, and that's that. That was where it started. That's like I remember amazing. me and my, my me and my sister used to listen to it, and our favorite song was David Bowie Fame. And it was like that guy, you know. <laughs> we didn't know anything about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't know anything about this guy, but we that song. That still, I love that song. And we're looking at like, you know, forty-five years later or whatever. That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts when you think about it. But did you ever see Bowie back that then? That was like, uh, I didn't have any records or nothing. But that yeah. so we were waiting for that song to come on. But then, yeah. like the David Essex song, "Rock Me," or was it "Rock On"? Oh yeah, rock on, yeah. Yeah, that that was another favorite song. Hey, hey, rock on, rock on yeah. That one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was like ten, I got my first FM radio. Oh, that and changed, that that changed like, a lot, right? Yeah, because then the WPIX was on, and that was like 
they played a lot of punk rock. They played like, the Ramones. That's where I heard the Clash for the first time. Wow. You know? They they played like all the you know all the punk rock from like that time for like seventy seven seventy eight. You know. Yeah. We, and that's you know that's where it started for me. I used to the WPX all the time. That's amazing. And man. then w, yeah, and then like college radio and stuff. But that's where it started. Did but you? that's like I learned everything I need to know. I, you know, I learned from being around people. And that's how you get to interact. You, you know, you have you find something in common that you never found before. Yeah, it's awesome. and it was music. So yeah, did yeah. you did you ever want to play music? I actually had a band with my brother-in-law and one of my brother-in-law's friends, and we I was playing bass and we were like practicing in the basement and we were actually starting to get good and like a couple people were like yo when you guys are ready let us know we get your shows. Oh shit! And then uh, then I got promoted and then my Guitar player, gosh, his, they had a kid, and then my brother-in-law had a kid, and then they moved to Florida, and then I was like, oh, Nova. Oh, shit. But, <laughs> from our last week. But, yeah. Yeah, it was, cool. it was cool for like a year or two. You know, we did it for probably about two years. I mean, I still have a bunch of guitars laying around and shit. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to retire. Yeah. But, That's you know. amazing. So, and then, and what what made you become a bus driver? Like, what was... Well, I had no job for a while, yeah. and my father was a bus driver. Okay. And he was just like, I was out of work for like three months. I mean, I wasn't really looking all that hard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I had money saved, so I wasn't like hurting cash, and I didn't have really any expenses. Mm-hmm. You know, I ate at home, and all I did was buy records. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he says to me, he goes, "Well, I, he got me the application, and then in '85, right after I started working at Gardenwall." Uh, there was gonna, I was going to get a job at this other bus company. They would hire you when you were 19, which I was at the time. Yeah. Well, I was 20, but they would hire you. And uh, actually, no, I was 18. So I learned how to drive a bus. And then the guy who was learning the, the job was such a dick. And they lost my application three times. Oh, and then they shit. told me, oh, they wanted me to do all this shit. And then they didn't tell me they wanted me to start that day. So when I go back on the Monday, he goes, well, I can't wait for you to get like two weeks of a little job that you have. And I was like, well, then forget it. And I walked out. Damn. And then when, <laughs> the day I turned 21, my father took my application into where he works. Oh, wow. And then uh, that was August. And by February, I was working. Holy shit. Yeah, it was quick. And I was like, I never wanted to be a bus driver. I never, not that I didn't, I didn't, I hated it or something. I just mm-hmm. never thought of it like that. Yeah. And it was just like, it was a fun job, you know, driving 40 feet of bus down the street, like a tight street, and all these people like looking at you weird and shit. <laughs> Especially when I, when I, <laughs> once I started having tattoos on my forearms, it was just like, oh, Dude, I remember go. that. I remember that, man. <laughs> yeah, so. Did you ever feel like quitting that job? Well, you know, I used to get pissed a lot of times because I remember like, it was a, like I was missing a lot of shows and stuff because I was uh, working Saturday nights at like eleven, which sucked, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my sick days were going to see shows. Wow. You know, I'd always take. The, I would always. I would always call in sick for the Super Bowl. I would never miss any of those. <laughs> Super Bowl hardcore. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm going. You know, sick of all playing. I'm going. Not just know? not pe- for people listening. Not the football game. The hardcore show. Not the football game. <laughs> the hardcore shows. <laughs> those yeah, used to be amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, but but speaking of the Super Bowl, it's like I didn't even realize until like Thursday that the Super Bowl was coming up. I'm like, really? And I was like, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, I was, <laughs> I didn't even like, I didn't even have the TV on that. 
Me either, dude. I, I didn't watch. I'm, I was never into sports. <laughs> you never played sports as a kid or anything. I played. Uh, I mean, my friends and I, when I moved to Bayside first, they were like sports guys, but yeah. not like jocks. Yeah. We played, they, they were sports fans, and uh, we used to play like football. We played football during football season, like two hand touch. Yeah. You know, nothing physical. And we play hockey, and we got to roll a hockey, and we play you know softball and stickball in the summertime because yeah, of baseball yeah, yeah. season. But nothing really. Like I was never like a team or nothing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I remember playing, and it was like these guys. Oh, what do these guys know about sports? And we we're like actually pretty good, you know. They've like, been playing with people in school, and like especially like when we went to junior high school. It was like of the public school I went to for elementary school. The one year I was in it, it was just like people from around. But when you went to junior high school. There were people getting like bust over there, so you met people that you never would have interacted with. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had like the sports guys, and you had like the stoner guys, but then like we were playing, these guys like, holy shit, these guys actually can play. Like they think like, you know, we don't look like them. That we're not gonna be able to. We really played all the time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then you know, I always I had the music thing going too, so I mean, music kind of eclipsed everything. Yeah, know, movies, I... comic books, and all that shit all just fell to the wayside. Yeah, you loved going. You loved going to live shows. You used to go to so many shows, man. I, it's amazing. I, I still go out. As, I'm going Friday night. I'm going to see. Uh, I was out last Friday, you know. So, yeah. So, still, uh, so yeah, music's like your music has been your life forever, man. It's amazing. You've been such a supporter. Pretty much. Yeah, all 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 different kinds of music too, not just not just hardcore. Yeah, not um, just hardcore. I mean, I was just I was in. Uh, I actually did two festivals over the summer. I was in Chicago for this festival called Moon Runners. Okay. And it, 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 it you know, Reggie's that place. That yeah, yeah, played it before. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah, it was there. It was like, it was, uh, what was it? It was three days this year. And it was a lot of cool bands. Nothing, you know, like not, not like not hardcore at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some like, some like more harder bands with like a lot of crusty like train kids. Like days and days. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're really good. They played, mm-hmm. and it was cool. But then, in there's another festival down in Tennessee called Muddy Roots in this town called Cookville. It's right outside Nashville. Yeah, and it's like a weekend thing. And I was just like, I've gone to a couple of festivals where I had a camp. Like I was at this one Farmageddon Fest up in it was in Montana. Uh huh. And I flew up there, so I had to buy like a tent and rent a car and shit. Wow. So when I was leaving, I but when I was leaving, I'm like, I'm not bringing this shit home with me. So I threw all the tents and everything away. <laughs> so I was like, I did that, and then I did another one in Wisconsin. The same thing, Farmageddon Fest, yeah. and same shit. Rented a car, threw everything in the garbage, and then just went home. So I was doing this one down in Tennessee this year, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to drive. So I decided I drove to Chicago, and I said I wasn't. It was it was rough, but yeah. I learned some shit. And yeah. I, but when I drove to Tennessee, I bought a tent that I'm keeping. Nice. You know, I bought a whole bunch of shit, so I kept everything. So I still have everything. So well, now I'm going. I actually bought my ticket for uh, for next year because oh, I had such awesome. a good time this year. Made a ton of new friends and shit. Saw a bunch of bands I never heard of before. You drove there solo? But I saw X. Yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah, but it's like X played, and they That's were fucking it. amazing. Damn. You know, TSOL played. They oh, were wow. great. Love TSOL. The Meat Puppets played. I missed them, but they're like like metal bands like Iron Fire played I'd, I'd heard of and never heard of them and yeah. like one of my favorite bands now oh that's awesome I man heard now they yeah they just won a Grammy tonight so I mean oh shit that's it was sick quite the, yeah so it was pretty cool but 
I was just, you know, I had a great time. I hung out with a bunch of great guys. And, you know, I felt the love, and it's all about, it all came back from those first couple of shows I went to. That's know? amazing. You're still doing like, that. You're, you're, like you're in the 50s. You're driving across the country to go check out new yeah. music, and you're not just looking online to find it. You actually have to go see it played live. That's pretty fucking amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I love and, like, that. Same thing. Like, you go see a band, like you know one band, and you go see them, and there's other bands you've never heard of before, and it's like, wow. There goes more of my paycheck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like I don't mind because that's the only thing, you know. And I don't buy like I try not to buy records and CDs because I don't it's too much bulk. Yep. I buy tons of MP3s. Like I go, you know, we're going Bandcamp. Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah, I don't think I've been on there though. Yeah. I tell you, I spend a lot of money on that because it's it's cool because it's kind of like iTunes where you can buy music from the band. Yeah. But you're buying it from them and they're. They're getting more of a cut than they that's do from like iTunes, yeah, Spotify, I like that. shit. So, so I like that's what I like about it. There's so much stuff on. Like you can find anything, and not just like you can't even name a, a, a genre of music that you can't find there. Yeah, that's awesome. You definitely, you're definitely gonna find something. Like I'm more like when I'm in drunk mode and I'm on a piece of music, I'm like, you gotta go there, man. <laughs> go to Bandcamp. Yeah, I probably spent. I've probably spent about maybe four or five grand on that on that wow, site. Wow, that's know, crazy! Over the years, so. But that's awesome. You're supporting yeah. music which you love. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, exactly. And I'm always going to see bands. I love. I, 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 show I, this weekend. Yeah, I love the fact that you like you're you into hardcore punk rock. You're going to shows. You were traveling, but you always kept like a real job and like a with probably benefits and a retirement plan and all that shit. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got the devil. best of both worlds. Yeah, it's you know, amazing. I missed out on a few shows, but yeah, it's fucking <laughs> you know, I was awesome. in Ireland. Uh, I was in Ireland like three years ago, and Mabel was playing in Dublin. And I was like, "Dude, I'm there!" So I went. I would see Mabel in Dublin. That's so, sick. That's which amazing. Is pretty cool. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> so now, but so now you're pretty much your own boss. You kind of do not not do what you want, but you can you make your own hours and shit like that, or. Well, I have a good, I have a good schedule. I work two to ten, and I'm off Sunday and Monday. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, it works for me, you know. And I'm in Brooklyn, so if I if I want to go to the like I go to the bar at nighttime or the shows, I, the yeah. train's right there. I ride the trains for free, so yeah, you know. Even if when I was paying, you know, I don't have to worry about driving. I can have a drink or two, you know. Yeah, that's you awesome. Know? And right. the bus stops right at the block of my house, so perfect. Perfect for me now. New, New York for I'd life. Rather, you couldn't you couldn't see yourself yeah. living anywhere else, huh? I mean, I'd rather be where I was before I moved back to the Queen, back to Queens. But yeah. you know, nothing, nothing. Some things don't last forever as much as you think they would, or you want them to. Yeah, so. true. So unfortunately, but hey, I'm not gonna cry about it. You know, I did enough of that, so I'm back here and I'm making the best of it. You know, I got work, I got friends around here. Yeah. Bars to go to, bands to see. Yep. Music to buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, definitely your love for music never dies. That's what's amazing, for sure. Nah, never did. He would think that, like, people like, I listen to people, oh, there's no good music. I'm like, you're just fucking lazy. You're fucking <laughs> lazy. You have the, you look at it this way, you have the most amazing thing that humans have ever invented. Yeah, the thing man. Is, maybe you might have heard of it. It's called the internet. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't find something new on the internet. Yeah, man. You know, it's if everywhere. you can't find new music, you ain't looking hard enough. Exactly. 
You know, it's out there, and it's not that hard to find. No, man. It's just like one press of a button just on your phone. It's fucking easy, man. Yeah, you go on YouTube, and the next thing you know, it's like five hours later. Like, holy shit, what did I do for five hours? Yeah, it's and a real rabbit hole. Shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Dev. Well, I, pre- I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you. When I first moved to New York, and everybody teased me, and they and they and they gave me tough love and called me a hick from Maryland. Yeah. But I appreciate. It. <laughs> <laughs> Girly man from Maryland. Exactly. And you know what? I love I love that because that that built character with me, and that gave me like some tough skin that I needed because I moved there by myself, and you guys all took me under mm-hmm. wings as like big brothers and fucking really showed me a great time living there, and, and I got so many great experiences from that, you know. Well, one of the things about that, I remember, I mean, I really, like I said, I had friends in high school and stuff, and but we're hanging out in the alleyway, all we did was abuse each other, and it wasn't <laughs> out of, like, trying to hurt nobody. <laughs> you know, it was like, if you, <laughs> if you saw it from the outside, you'd be like, oh, who's going to go the first punch? But it was like, we were toughening each other up without even realizing that's what we were doing, and, and I still do that to people. Me like, too! For me, I'm like, me too. I'm like, dude, I got this one guy at work, and I'm like... I'm gonna have to stop putting gunpowder in your food or something to toughen you up, kid. And he's like, "Oh no!" I'm like, oh "I'm my still God. doing it." Holy, it's it's, the, it's it's like instilled inside of us. The the ball breaking is still inside of us. It's crazy, man. But it pre- it prepares you for people that are gonna try to like bully you and try sure. to one up you, and you're like, sure. you be right in there, and it's like, I can't even break this guy. That's right, you can't break me. I'm fucking alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's corny to think that, but it's like, yeah. that's where I learned a lot of my, you know. A hundred percent, dude. My, uh, my badassery. I don't know what you want to call it, but like, I mean, I was, I could always hold my own and shit, but like, physically is one thing, but verbally is like, you can't let nobody shut you down. And, you know, a hundred percent. You got to be ready. It's like, you bring it, I'm bringing it 10 times as hard as you could imagine I could do it. A hundred percent. And I thank, I thank you guys and sick of it all for that. I can't wait to have them on the podcast. It's going to be a lot of ball breaking. Um, <laughs> you should do it live like Joe Rogan style. Oh, all man. Go down. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, oh, fuck. ropes and pussy boy. All that shit. We're going to get into all that fucking insanity. Um, Roger that. Well, I love you, Devin. I appreciate you being part of my life and the chapter I love of my you life. Too. And one thank- of my oldest friends, my man. Thank you, brother. And I appreciate everything you've done, and thanks for being a role model for me. And I, I always uh, admired your your hard work with your job and still making time to go to shows and all that. I mean, you're like a big brother, so I appreciate it very much. Well, I tell you this much about you: is this knucklehead kid from Maryland who didn't know nothing, and you're still doing it, and you got a lot to be proud of yourself, your lovely wife. Thank you, man. You got a good looking. Your boy is growing up to be a good man. Yes. So. Thank you, Devil. You're doing something right, my fellow. Thank you, brother. All the best to you and hope to see you soon, man, in real life. Roger that. All right, bro. All right, man. Peace, Devil. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <Take> <laughs> Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.